Welcome to the Nashville Women's Health Podcast. This podcast was created as a way to provide education and connection to the women of Middle Tennessee. My goal is to connect you with local women's health and fitness providers so you know what services are available in your area. I am your host, Amy Bailey. I'm a local women's health physical therapist, yoga instructor, and life coach. Thank you for joining the podcast and being a part of this amazing community. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Nashville Women's Health Podcast. Today I have Grace Goodwin Dwyer um, joining me. She is a dietitian in Nashville. Welcome, Grace. Hi, thanks for having me. Gosh, thank you so much for being here. I met Grace for coffee last week and finally got to meet her in person. And what a sweet and cool chick this is. I'm so excited <laughs> for you to be here and let the audience kind of get to know your personality. Well, thank you. Yeah, I think when we met, we clicked right away. We've got, we've both kind of got a yogi within us. And yes, we're going to touch on that yogi background in a little bit too. Okay, so give us a little rundown of your bio. Tell us about how you became a dietitian and why you do what you do. Sure. So um, I went to college um, at a liberal arts school and actually studied art history, which I loved. Um, In a sense, it's a very cool way to study human behavior and how that manifests in a physical form. Um, But towards the end of senior year, I realized that there were no jobs related to that that really felt um, like a fit for me. I wanted something that felt very tangible, something where I knew I could be helping people and really see results. Um, So I came back to the idea of nutrition. It had always kind of interested me. Um, Starting when I was 15, I'd had... I had some food sensitivities, got really sick, lost a ton of weight, um, felt like crap all the time, started doing some research about nutrition, um, and through that, learned to feel a lot better. Um, this was, that was back before nutrition was really a thing. Yeah, um, there was yeah. none of this dairy-free, none of these special milks. Like, I found out I um, had a rough dairy intolerance, and the there were no products available. So I did all these deep dives back in the day through blogs. Like blogs were just starting to become a thing. Um, So I marvel at the world we live in now and there's so much more nutrition information available. Um, So that was sort of how I got into nutrition in the first place. So fast forwarding, graduated from college, realized I wanted to make that a career. Um, So I caught up on all my science courses. the orgo, the bio, the chem. Um, I did my master's in food policy and applied nutrition. Uh, I went through the process of becoming a dietitian. And um, right now I'm finishing up my second master's in lactation. Ah, so cool. Yeah. And it's funny because I don't think people would kind of blend the two, how a lactation counselor and a dietitian work together. Tell us about how you kind of make those work. Yeah, so... I've always thought of the two as they're presented in our healthcare system as two very separate specialties. Um, but to me, they're, they're one in the same. It's this Venn diagram of um, breast milk, human milk is nutrition for infants. Um, so I came, I got into lactation because as I was studying in grad school, infant nutrition, I was like, wow, this, this system, the way human milk works is magical and how are we not all talking about this all day every day (laughs) kind of nerded out on it and uh, you know I was like I need to know how this works 
one thing leads to another and then all of a sudden you're you're learning every bit of it I think that's amazing and for any mom who's ever nursed a baby or even looked into it even if you're not a mom yet and you've looked into it just the magic and how many things that breast milk can help with and I mean anything from pink eye you know mm -hmm. just of course feeding our children and just the bond that that creates for mom and baby absolutely it's it's there's so much magic to it and at the same time it can be for people when they're first starting out one of the most frustrating trying exasperating um hard one of the hardest things that they go through for various reasons so yeah. there's there's a lot there's a lot to unpack there yeah i agree i um tell everybody i have three children and um i've had nursing issues with two out of the three and I had the biggest nursing issues with my third and um, I gave birth in a hospital and, and I had to ask for someone to help me with nursing. They're like, why do you need that? You've had three kids. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know, but I do. <laughs> this isn't working. So having that support is critical for not just first time moms, but sometimes third time moms. Absolutely. I'm so glad that you brought that up because, you know, we always say every baby is so different. Every birth is so different. There's so many um, factors throughout your birth that can influence how the baby, how the baby feeds right away. You know, the medications you got, the fluids you got, um, so many pieces to that. So I'm glad that you advocated for yourself and asked for someone because I think that's something a bunch of us um, can do more. I think by the time you get to the third child, you learn how to advocate for yourself. But that's what I want to get across to people, you know, that aren't moms yet or or even with any health condition, advocating for yourself and finding out what works for you. That's so important to be proactive because, you know, people are busy in the healthcare world and they might forget or they might not know what to help you with or to tell you that you need. So advocating for, your, for yourself is huge. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's go back to kind of the dietitian realm here. And do you have a philosophy of nutrition or how does that work? Do you just cater to whatever the client comes in with? Um, I do. I definitely have a philosophy. Um, so partly I come from an intuitive eating perspective. That's used to be kind of a niche thing and is now, I think in 2020, I'm seeing it in January as like the new people keep saying it's the new non-diet diet of the year. It's right. I think it's becoming quite hot in 2020. It's <laughs> funny because it's, it's, you know, intuitive eating. It's, it's what it sounds like. It's eating in a way that's listening to your body. Um, so it involves not counting anything, not counting calories, not counting macros, not tracking, um, and more so tuning in, listening to your own hunger cues, your own emotions. Um, and the reason I support that is just because I think it's the most effective. Um, I think that calorie counting typically does us more harm than good. And I think and I hope that the field of nutrition in general is sort of shifting towards that intuitive eating mindset. Um, food's inherently emotional. So, um, you know, there's joy in food, it brings us together. So kind of listening to that, it's not something that we can just type into a little device, our Fitbit, our, our tracker or whatever, and have that um, sorted all out for us. So intuitive eating is kind of one lens I come through. The other one is just really doing, um, really being guided by evidence and the science that we have. I think that's one thing that separates dietitians from um, people who practice nutrition who aren't dietitians is we are, 
we rely very heavily on the science that's been done. Um, so not just trends and not just, oh, this worked for me personally so I can share it with something else, but um, what has not just been confirmed by one study, but what's been confirmed by many studies. It's really easy in our um, information climate to get kind of sidetracked by, oh, this one headline of this one study, but um, very much want to give people legit information that's not pseudoscience that's really really important to me yeah I think that's important and I love what you said back to the intuitive eating about not counting calories and macros I think that can be exhausting for people and they can sort of fixate on counting things agree and I think one of the biggest factors one of the big one of the things that's the most um, effective is sustainability and I I don't know anyone, I've not encountered anyone who can sustainably do that type of counting yeah. for their life, nor, nor would, I wouldn't want that for anyone. Um, so I think finding those, finding the things that we can stick with, whatever habits those are, though, that's effective. Um, and so in that sense, you said, do you cater to your clients? In that sense, I do cater to clients because I want to find what is sustainable for that particular client, which might be really different than what is sustainable for someone else. Yeah. So what type of diagnosis do you typically work with? So my, what I typically work with is more um, kind of lifestyle. It, it so depends. <laughs> I'm pausing here. I can tell you the population that I mostly work with is women. Okay. Um, so women partially because um, hormones, we have all these shifting phases in our life, whether it's adolescence, dealing with life transitions in your 20s, um, if you choose to, if you have children, then there, that's a whole phase, prenatal, postpartum, um, and then menopause. Is, those all present their own opportunities for um, nutrition interventions and, and taking care of yourself um, through food. Also, women and people who identify as women receive a lot of messages about the way we should eat, the way our, our body should look. So that's another reason that that to me is a niche that deserves its own special attention. I'm so glad you brought that up. I had a question about that later on in the podcast. Yeah. Just, you know, there's such a pressure for women to look a certain way. Um, in general, not just postpartum, but in general. So how do you address that with your clients? Because that's, that's tough. It's so tough. Um, and I think a lot of us, if we're not there now, we've been there at some point. Um, sorry, my dog's going a little crazy over there. <laughs> it's real life, people. You know, yeah. going back, I have a preteen. You know, it starts as early as middle school, this expectation to look a certain way, to dress a certain yeah. way, but to, you know, especially I see the young girls developing in different stages and, you know, this mm -hmm. girl wants to look like that girl and that girl doesn't want to look like that yet. And, you know, it starts early. So how do you have that conversation in a healthy way related to diet and food? So I think... Well, when it comes to, I'll address what, address what you said about postpartum. Um, I think accepting, accepting changes that happen postpartum, and I, really, I guess really at any phase through life, whether it's um, puberty or menopause or anything like that. Um, th I was reading something just this morning about how there's the difference between tolerant, tolerating change and then radically accepting change. Mm. So 
I think if we can come at it of an angle, like for example, with having a baby, I think if we can come at it from a perspective of, you know, I, I'm not just tolerating this new body and I'm not just sort of passively accepting it, but I'm so proud of what I did. My body was so strong to get me to where it is. I know. <laughs> She's I'm sending her hearts, y'all, because this is huge. Keep going. You might, have, you might have lost something to some degree. I mean, change is inevitable. None of us, I shouldn't say that, few of us are going to look through our lives the way we looked in high school. And that's okay. That's there's nothing intrinsically bad about that. So I think as we go through changes, um, being able to celebrate kind of like the power of what led us there. Does that make sense? Oh, that's beautiful. Yes. Yeah. So with a, I mean, with a preteen or, or something, that's really hard in that situation. I'm, I'm thinking about your daughter and, and what I would say there. And that's okay. a really tough one. They don't have the perspective yet that we have, like how you're saying, accept the radical change. I think we can kind of talk ourselves through that and create a mindset, you know, of, okay, I am strong. I've done amazing things. This is a new normal. Whereas mm -hmm. a preteen hasn't had the life experience yet to do that. Um, yeah. I and I wonder what it's like for kids nowadays. Um, you know, kids, kids who grew up with Instagram. I can't even imagine Mm -mm. How hard that is. Can you speak to that at all? <laughs> <laughs> I don't like speaking to it. Yes. No, I totally can't. It's tough. And we, uh, my daughter's about to be 13 in March and we held out on social media for a very long time. Her friends had gotten it as early as nine years old. And so we let her have Instagram around Christmas this year. And of course it's on my Instagram. I get to see every post. She hates it, but you know, it's part of life. I get to see everything that she does, every comment. Um, mm. But we tried TikTok first. Let me just tell you, and I <laughs> get rid of it because I saw the, and, and I can see how it can be fun and harmless. Um, but then after seeing some of her, um, I wouldn't even say friends, but people that were friends on this social media platform, seeing how they danced in front of the camera, these young girls. And I was like, ah, we're not doing that. Not even going there. So Instagram for us has been a safer route, but it's terrifying to yeah. know your daughter is putting herself out there. Even if you do every safety control and just knowing, you know, that people post that they were at this party and maybe your daughter didn't get invited to, or, you know, just, Oh, that's yeah. a, that's a podcast in itself. So hopefully <laughs> somebody who's very well versed in how to handle this, not myself. Then. <laughs> I'm in yeah. trial by fire on this right now. That's um, all my scope of practice also, but I think one thing that's hard when you're young, but is honestly hard for us at any age is realizing that the people that we see on Instagram, whether it's influencers or celebrities um, who've like seemingly bounced back after baby and look exactly the same is that first of all, there's major editing. Second of all, they have staffs and routines catered all day to achieving that because it is part of their livelihood. Right. I mean, us normal people, us normal postpartum people, I mean, you're lucky if you get to take a shower, right? <laughs> you don't have a team supporting you. Um, <laughs> no. We need a team supporting us, but it's real life and we don't always have that. Absolutely. So yeah, I think the comparison game is really hard. And I think that's a challenge for anybody who works with anybody, but women in particular, I think. Mm -hmm. So yes. tell me kind of what a typical session looks like. Um, how long are they? How do, 
How do you work mm -hmm. with your clients? So um, the first session I'll do is 75 minutes. Um, and it's a lot of assessment. So, you know, a clinical term for just what does your life look like? I think food, honestly, the first visit could be two hours. I just don't want to overwhelm people. But there's so much that goes into quote-unquote nutrition. Um, your values, your um, relationships. You know, if someone's married, we'll talk about their partner and how their partner eats because that's huge. That's a huge part of how, of what influences your, your diet. Um, assessing medical history, hormonal things, medications, all of that goes into a nutrition assessment getting to know someone. I feel like the word assessment sounds so clinical, so <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to not say that. Um, and then towards the end of the session, starting to set some goals. Um, and actually, I like to work from a perspective of working with values rather than goals. Um, and this comes back to the sustainability piece. So goals might be, goals are important. Goals might be, I want to drink more water. I want to eat more vegetables. Um, what I don't think is good is, is goals of, I want to lose five pounds. Um, because say you do lose five pounds, then what? Whereas values is more, okay, what matters to me? So maybe it's having more energy or if you're older, you know, having, having an active older age so that you can play with your grandkids or something like that. And that, unlike I want to lose five pounds, that can be sustained and it can have, it has this greater purpose that I think is more motivating. I acknowledge that, um, you know, it's a, it's a genuine and valid concern to want to lose weight because um, you want to feel good in your body. And sometimes for people that means, you know, weight can be causing them discomfort um, or, or I don't know. It's, it's such a, again, like a podcast in and of itself right there. But um, I, I like really encourage people to look kind of bigger picture and linking actions, behaviors to that instead of kind of these short little milestones. Yeah. I heard someone say once that you need to dig through your five whys to get to something sustainable, like you're talking about. Like, um, why do you want to lose five pounds? Um, mm. because I want to fit in my skinny jeans. Well, why do you want to fit in your skinny jeans? You know, and so going and asking that question five times and you will probably get to that deep value like you're talking about. And I thought that was really cool because the losing of the five pounds, you're right. That's not going to keep somebody on their path. So. I love that. I'm stealing that. <laughs> yeah. And I can't remember who I heard it from, so I can't give anybody credit, but I've, I've really started practicing that with my clients too and really digging deeper to that. You'll hit it. You'll, and it may take more than five. It may take three even, but you know, just kind of pushing them to think deeper in their reasons. Yeah. Do you, how do you see that manifest in um, women's health PT? What does that look like in one of your sessions? Well, I mean, different reasons, you know, I want to get out of pain so I can, um, you know, go to the mall. Well, why do you want to go to the mall? Well, because I just lay on my couch all the time and I don't have any friends, you know, sometimes it just, 
you keep spiraling like you know if people are in mm-hmm. I say pain because that's probably the biggest population I'm seeing right now is people with pelvic pain um, mm-hmm. and it it tends to take everything from their life their friends their activities their passions you know mm-hmm. so getting out of pain leads them back into this fulfilling life and life of joy and thriving so sometimes you just have to dig mm-hmm. they think oh I just want to stop the pain which is true pain is horrible but pain leads to bigger things such as isolating yourself and anxiety of more pain you know so wow yes yeah. yeah so yeah. I think mm-hmm. the five wise can apply to anything that people want to do you know everybody's setting their goals for the new year and their resolutions well why are these things are important because we see this huge surge of people starting back to the gym in january but if they don't have that deeper reason for going to the gym then by march we're not going to see those people and we need to keep seeing those people in the gym you know so i think encouraging even our friends and family well why are you going to the gym you know pushing people ask making them think a little bit about the reasons they're doing what they're doing yeah totally Okay, so I have to ask you because I assume all my friends who are dietitians are like great chefs. <laughs> so, do you cook a lot? Do you have a certain type of food you love? Like, give us a little bit of insight into your eating plan <laughs> in life. So, I do cook a lot simply because I'm cheap. <laughs> That's my, my healthy and cheap. That's those are my two goals with preparing my own food. Um, I would say. Almost every dietitian I've ever met loves food, but not all of us are necessarily good cooks. Okay. Um, my cooking style is as few, is kind of simple, fast, easy ingredients. Um, I, my, one of my, I, I didn't mention this earlier in philosophy, in the nutrition philosophy, but another philosophy that I think is great and probably describes how I eat is um, I believe it's the opening quote from Michael Pollan's book. Um, I might be on the worst dilemma. It might be another one of his books. I know it's Michael Pollan is eat real food, mostly plants, not too much. So the not too much part I'd want to clarify is just like eating to your hunger, not obsessing about quantity, but just, you know, eating when you're hungry. So I eat a lot of plants. Um, We eat a lot of beans vegetables. Um, My husband is uh, very open to things, so I've gotten him on a lot of tofu and things like that. Um, But we also eat a lot of just kind of normal foods. Usually in our cabinet at any point, there's (laughs) Pop-Tarts. I love it. What we have right now. Um, This is honestly right here. There are Pop-Tarts in your cabinet. (laughs) We have like the Pillsbury things that you unroll right now and like pop the can yes so balance is yeah I know it's cliche but balance is key but I'd sum it up by saying I'm not a good cook but I think it's really important to cook my own food because it is healthier I like knowing what goes in it and it's cheaper than constantly ordering or um going out yeah yeah I am a terrible cook but um (laughs) just honesty here, but I'm a vegetarian. So I end up having to prepare a lot of my own foods because it's hard to find things that I can eat elsewhere. Um, Nashville's great, actually. Um, There's more and more every new restaurant that opens, but, um, and Nashville's very health conscious, which is great. But sometimes Mm -hmm. I go out of town. Traveling is the worst, honestly. Um, Yes. Hard to find healthy, good food on trips. 
Absolutely. Okay, so you are a yoga instructor, <laughs> which I'm also a yoga instructor, so this hit right in my heart when I found this out. So kind of tell me how, maybe how you blend your, your dietitian work with yoga, and if you blend it at all, or what even led you to do that? Mm. So I got into yoga, I got into it seriously probably about four or five years ago. Um, started with booty yoga. Have you heard of that? I have heard of it. I've never done a class. <laughs> so fun. It's basically, if, you, if you've not heard of it, listeners, it's um, yoga mixed with like plyometric moves and dance and hit training, essentially. Okay. Got into that. Um, loved that. And that was kind of a good segue because I used to think yoga was boring. And I used to right. think, hate like the, the sitting still and the mindfulness. But being able to do yoga and dance, I was like, okay, I can get behind this. And then that was my segue into being like, okay, and I can do quote unquote normal yoga too. <laughs> so then I got into kind of like more of your classic vinyasa um, flow type yoga, and that's what I teach. Okay. Where do you so teach? I teach at Yoga Soul on 8th and Wedgwood, which I so highly recommend. I mean, just every teacher there is, is, beacon of light and wonderful um i so recommend um so how the way i work it into what i do in terms of nutrition so unlike you i know we talked about this briefly earlier like you can really physically kind of incorporate yoga as a pt because you're hands-on you are you know manipulating people for maybe it's a different term for that um but for me, being talk-based, not not really touching or moving, I um, I'm more say I incorporate kind of the mindfulness aspect of um, being present. I think being present when you eat is, oh my gosh, we don't do that. Like I'm guilty of it too. How many times do you make dinner and you like park yourself in front of the TV? I think if you live alone, it's especially easy to do. And you just like food going in the mouth, but brain is somewhere else. It happens when we sit at a desk and we're working while we eat. I mean, again, I do it too. Um, but I think one thing I love about yoga and one thing that's hard about yoga is it takes, it forces your mind into your body. Mm. I know they say like yoga means to yoke. And what I learned is one of the things you're yoking is the mind to the body. Um, so to be able to do that similar concept with eating, I think is, is huge and really helps us figure out like, when are we hungry and what do we want to eat? And usually that ends, leads to, you know, healthier results. Yeah. I think you just went full circle there. I mean, that's what intuitive eating <laughs> is all about. And Whoa. You <laughs> did go full circle. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're just backing yourself there, which is great. You actually put into practice what you preach. And I think the hardest thing about yoga is the, the mind concept and yoking it with our body. But once we start working on that, I think that's the best thing about yoga. too. Absolutely. I've recently, I've been doing, well, really for years, I've been doing more of a flowy type of yoga, vinyasa. Um, and my goal is to try to get more into the hot 26 kind of more Bikram series. Mm -hmm. um, I, 
always joke with um, Cindy, who owns Yoga Soul, that I, I got to get in there because that class, it's a lot about discipline and really being, you kind of hold poses. There's a lot of stillness. You really have to be, have your mind in your body. So that's kind of on my to-do list for things I want to get better at. Yeah. And I'll totally go with you. Let me know. Awesome. <laughs> um, I used to do Bikram yoga in Asheville, North Carolina. Um, this was before all the Bikram drama that's happened. And for our listeners yes. who don't know, I highly encourage watching the Netflix series on Bikram. It's really interesting. Hmm. But you'll learn a lot. And um, he was a pretty, or he still is, a pretty dynamic person. And so just to hear how people have followed him and his philosophy. But um, sure. I actually uh, loved doing Bikram and then moved away from Asheville and didn't have a Bikram studio. And, and now everything is hot 26. You, it's hard to find a Bikram, true Bikram studio now, but okay. it, it is a different style and you're right. It's, it takes you more into your mind and that holding poses and challenging yourself to stay where you are. So. Yeah. I mean, I think that's like stoicism, the philosophy of, of like that we can apply to so much of our life of, of kind of, um, can't find the word I'm searching for, but staying with, staying with and through hard things. Yeah. Yeah. Concept of life right there. Do you have any other health professionals that you work with or you typically refer clients to? So I am relatively new to the area and still getting to know a lot of people. Um, everyone I've met like you is just fabulous. And it's been one of my favorite parts of starting a business in nutrition is, is really honestly just meeting to getting to meet a bunch of other really cool women. Um, but the two people I've worked particularly close with it with who've both been on the podcast, I think their episodes like three and four, maybe Kelly Ayler. Yes. Kelly Ayler. Mm-hmm. And Amanda Howard, who's a Pilates instructor. Yeah. We clicked immediately because they both in their respective expertises work in women's health. Um, They're both incredibly smart um, and knowledgeable about what they do, but they're also warm and upon meeting them, you wouldn't even, um, upon meeting them, I just instantly felt like seen and heard, which I think is how their um, patients and clients feel too. So we work we um, are putting together, well, have already put together a program where um, we kind of all work together to see people who are postpartum. Um, there's a lot of common challenges that people have in that time period, whether it's pain or kind of losing some core connection, problems with struggles with um, staying nourished or nourishing yourself with, with the things that best suit you. And, um, so with our Motivated Mama method, which we've recently released and are signing people up for, um, the goal of that is to have this care team on your side of three people who come from different lenses but work together um, and you know can collaborate on helping you feel better after you have a baby, whether your baby is just born or maybe was born 10 years ago. A lot of the same struggles still apply. Yeah, I love this collaboration. So we've got a dietitian, a physical therapist, and a Pilates teacher. I love it. Yeah, it's kind of different. Um, 
Amanda and Kelly had already been collaborating because they've got a really cool thing going on where Kelly can kind of diagnose from, from that PT clinical perspective um, and assess and come up with a plan. And Amanda can help with the strengthening um, and connection of those systems through Pilates. So I'm jumping into that because in order to move, in order to restore your tissues in any type of way, um, you need to give them fuel. So that's where I come in. I love it. I love it. And, you know, being a PT myself, I refer a lot to dietitians, because, especially people who have, like you said, food sensitivities. It can increase pain. Um, mm. and I see a lot of people who deal with interstitial cystitis or pelvic pain in general and changing their diet can really affect how they tolerate life. So I think you being in that group and collaborating with a PT and a Pilates instructor is huge. It's huge. Mm, thanks. Yeah. Okay. I ask this of every guest and it's just because, you know, my goal here is just to elevate women's health in our area and get women more connected to providers that they know and trust. I think Nashville is just so huge and so many times we don't even know who to turn to. So tell me how you feel that the vibe is in Nashville related to women's health, what we could, what we're doing great already, and then what we can improve on. So, um, like I mentioned, I'm pretty new to the scene still, recently moved here. Um, so take that with a grain of salt. I'm coming in with kind of a fresh perspective and still getting to know people. Um, like I said, I think one of our strengths is that every provider that I have met with, whether it's um, PT, uh, mental health, counseling, everyone has been incredibly warm, welcoming, authentic, energizing. And every time I meet with one of those people, I leave the meeting feeling more excited to do what I'm doing and excited to work with them and refer to them. In terms of what we could do better, I honestly don't say, wouldn't say I have a good sense of that yet. Um, but I think what, as I mentioned, just knowing who to refer to, kind of building those networks, like, you know, your podcast is doing and like we're doing by continuing to meet each other, knowing not just one dietitian, but knowing, you know, five dietitians. That way when you have a client who you need to refer to one, you can know like, oh, this she might be a good fit with so-and-so. Um, and the same thing with PTs, with counselors, all of that. Um, yeah, just continuing to refer to people who, <laughs> who are the experts in what they do and um, serving our clients better that way. Yeah, I think you're right. And it's just, it's hard. And, you know, I've, especially with counselors, when I refer to them, I see different personality types that would fit better with other, you know, specific counselors. So I think you're right, getting to know mm -hmm. each other and network, which is actually the most fun part of my job. <laughs> I, yeah, I, love, I love getting out like you and I did. We met for coffee and I got to try a new coffee place. I got to sit down with you and meet you as a human and not just in a business sense. So I think getting to know each other so we can better help mm -hmm. the women of Nashville. I met um, Kelly Archer recently um, at Redheaded Stranger. Have oh, you been there? I've been there. I'm, that's, that's where I met Jenny Archer. Yeah. <laughs> that place. Jenny, <laughs> mad props to you. on. <laughs> they've got really good burritos if people haven't tried it oh, yet. My goodness. I was like, Jenny, it is a pleasure to meet you. And it was a pleasure to discover this place because it is delicious. Yes. Yes. <laughs> 
But it's fun <laughs> because we all kind of live in different pockets of Nashville. So we can try the food and coffee and tea and whatever in different pockets too. So Yes. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're not in Nashville, it is worth visiting for the food. There's just so many cool coffee spots, cafes, restaurants. It's, yeah. Yeah. So I looked up the stats this morning. This is totally an aside here, but the stats on the podcast, just to see who was listening. And we have um, 400 subscribers, which thank y'all so much for subscribing and listening. But I was surprised too, that not everybody is in Nashville listening to the podcast. I know. So we're reaching a different audience too of people out there. And hopefully if you're not in Nashville, you can help create something like this in your town or just learn about what we offer here to maybe bring those services to your town. And I know I offer um, online coaching and telehealth and you do too, right? I do. Yeah. So we can actually help people who live outside of our state, uh, you know, communicating. I don't know how your practice act works with that, but, um, but it's something if you do, if you don't live here and you want some help or to talk to a dietitian, at least reach out and we can figure out um, if we can help you or if we need to refer you to someone in your state. Um, through my practice act, I cannot do physical therapy unless I have a license in that state. However, I can do coaching. And so that's mm -hmm. also a part of what I offer. So I don't know how yours works. Can you actually work with clients outside of Tennessee? I can. I'm good to go for the United States. So, um, yeah, and it's, and it's so fun to work with people from other states, too. I was... I've never been someone who loves FaceTime or Skype. I'm kind of old fashioned and just you know, prefer, the, prefer the audio. So I was wary of having a telehealth element of the practice, but I love it. I think it's, it's so fun. It still feels really authentic. You can still really connect with people. Um, so yeah, I'm a huge fan and I, and I, I recommend it. Love you do too. It's I have a cool. walking in here with me right now. <laughs> <laughs> Life is coming at us from all angles right now. I'm feeding a dog treats right now so that she'll be quiet. <laughs> it's funny because today um, the schools are closed. This won't air till next Monday, but today is actually Martin Luther King's um, celebration holiday. So, um, yeah, so I have kids home, but they've done great so far. I mean, we're 40 minutes into this podcast, so it's pretty good that the, just now it's happening. Um, tell everybody how to reach you. Yeah, so... Um, my website is www.gracegoodwindwire.com. Just, just my name. Um, and there you can contact me It'll, you know, through a little portal type of thing um, that goes to my email. You can sign up. Uh, I offer 15-minute just like free consult calls so we can see if we're a good fit. Um, I can tell you if you've got going some, something going on that, seems like a good thing to work with a dietitian on. Um, you can just, yeah, get to know a little bit more before you commit to anything. Um, so you can schedule those through my website. If you're feeling motivated, you can just go ahead and schedule an appointment. It's all on there. Um, and my Instagram is dietitian for like the number four women. Um, and I would love, yeah, would love to connect with you. And she puts some great things on her Instagram. So please go follow that. I am also always learning through your page, which is great. And there was a post this morning about coffee, which <laughs> I'm totally addicted to. So, 
Same here. It's a, it's a work in progress. Scale <laughs> back a little, apparently. <laughs> yeah, um, any parting words of wisdom for our guests? Um, in terms of nutrition, kind of going back to the intuitive thing. If if you learn nothing else from all this, just listen to your body. Don't listen to don't listen too much to Instagram. You you know what you need most. Um, and if you need a little help sorting through that, there are a bunch of awesome dietitians in this world and there are a bunch of awesome other health professionals like cool PTs and counselors and all that stuff. So yeah. thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. And I really want to invite you back and we can dig deeper into some of these topics. Uh, I really wanted the audience to kind of get to know you and what you do today, but I want to bring you back. So please come back and we'll go down some rabbit holes, okay? Absolutely. I'd say if anyone listening has, you know, particular questions that they, a topic they want to know more about, they shoot you an email or something and we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Please shoot me an email of topics y'all want for the podcast. I'm always looking for people to be on the podcast and topics to dive into. Um, my email is Amy, A-I-M-E-E at TaraLotus.com or Amy at ThePelvicYogi.com. So yeah, but thanks again, Grace, so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I know the audience does too. Thank you. Thanks, Amy. Yes.